0: Well, we are studying the fruit of the spirit in Galatians chapter five, Paul lists the fruit, the evidence that someone is fully committed to God and that the Holy Spirit is working their lives. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. because we are Americans, we see the fruit. ...of the Spirit as some kind of checklist. We, we check it and we see which ones we have, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Right? If you can get four of those fruit of the Spirit, then you are winning at life, right? And man, if you've got more than five of the fruit of the Spirit active in your life... ...then you must be some kind of super Christian... Here's the thing, you tend to focus on the fruit that you have. The problem with that is the world focuses on the fruit you lack. When you lose your temper, your kids don't say, well, dad might have lost his temper, but he's got joy and peace. When you pop off at work, your coworkers don't think, wow, she's got no self-control, but man, is she faithful. She shows up to work every single day. When you gossip, people don't say, she may be a gossip, but man, she is a really good person. Instead, they say, for a person who claims to be a Christian, he sure doesn't act like one. This is a tough truth, but one missing fruit can ruin your testimony. The fruit are all connected. All nine of these characteristics should be evident in your life. Well, Pastor Jason, that's not possible. There's no way that I can do all of that. And on your own, you're correct. It's not possible. But here's the good news you're not on your own. They aren't a result of your effort or your intelligence. They're a result of God's Spirit at work in your life. When you are fully committed to God and allowing His Holy Spirit to work, in and through you you can and you should have them all today we come to the sixth fruit goodness maybe you saw today's title and thought i may not do well on the other fruit right that that patience thing last week that pastor tina talked about was really brutal but this one i've got this one down pat i'm a good person Good is one of the most overused words in the English language. Think about how often you use it. How are you? I'm good. I had a good day. Man, this pizza is good. That movie was good. Good job cleaning your room, son. Good morning, good night. Good grief, good Lord. Good deal, good luck, good times, good news. It's all good. You're good. When your dog does something right, which, by the way, in my house doesn't happen very often, you say something like, good boy or good girl. Then you come to church where we talk and sing about the goodness of God, right? We use the same word to describe God that you use to train your dog. Somehow it just doesn't seem to fit. What does it really mean to be good? What does this fruit look like in your life? See, I believe that we've changed the meaning of goodness to be the absence of badness. At the end of the school day, parents ask their children, were you good today, which really translated means, did you do anything bad, right? If they didn't have to have their name come home on yellow or red or even pink, or the parent didn't, or the teacher didn't have to text or call the parent, then we say that that child had a good day. But here's a question for you. If you don't do bad stuff, does that make you good? In my job, I attend and do a lot of funerals. No matter how mean or how bad a person was, when they die, their friends and families want to good them into heaven. And so they say things like, he was a good person, she was a good lady, he was a good friend. A friend of mine told me a story of one time he was preaching a funeral, and he said it was a remarkably honest funeral. He said that when he was talking with the family beforehand, which pastors do so that they can come up with stories to tell during the funeral and things, he was like, you know, what, what, what stories would you like me to tell? And, and the family said, look, we don't have any good stories. We don't have anything nice to say about the guy. He was evil and a jerk. We just want you to get it done quickly as possible. Can I tell you, that's really rare, right? Most of the time, being a good person is cited as the reason that someone makes heaven. If you believe what's said at funerals, everyone is a good person and everyone is going to make heaven. If that's the case, if everyone is good, then why is goodness listed as a fruit of the Spirit? If everyone is good... Then goodness must just be an innate human quality. If you believe that, that that everyone is born good and stays good, then you've obviously never spent time with a toddler. What have you been doing to your brother? We don't know. In the walls and everything now. Okay. one of the first words that a child learns is what no because they don't do good things they do things that aren't good goodness is a difficult fruit to describe how do you decide if you're good Do you get to decide if you're good, or or do other people determine whether or not you're good? How do you be gooder? Okay, we're in Texas. That's a real word. Um, What does it really mean to be good? Listen, I'll be honest with you. I don't know that I can completely answer that question in just one phrase, but I believe this morning that I can point you in the right directions. Ephesians chapter 2 said. It's by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by the work so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You are God's masterpiece. You were designed and created to, go- to do good things. You are special, unique, and one of a kind. There's no one else just like you. God has a good plan for your life, and that includes you doing good things. When you made the decision to follow Christ, this is is part of what you signed up for, doing good. When you don't do good, you dishonor your creator. There's no such thing as an evil or a bad Christian. The result of being connected to God is good in you And good throughout you. The source of the goodness in you is not you, but it's God. God is good is not just a cliche that you repeat, right? God is good all the time, and all the time? Yet we say that so casually, I wonder if we miss the fact that God really is good. The Bible is filled with verses that point to the goodness of God. First Chronicles 16 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Psalm 34 says, Taste and see that the Lord is what? Good. Bless is the man who takes refuge in him. Psalms 100 says, For the Lord is? And his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And in Exodus thirty three eighteen, Moses said to God, Show me your goodness. Now look how God responded. He said, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. God's glory on display was goodness. The Bible describes God's goodness in two ways, his character and his actions. Psalms 119 captures both of these in the same verse. It says, you are good, and you do, and what you do, is good. You see, God by his very nature is good, and your good God wants to do good things for you. David wrote in the 23rd Psalm, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The word goodness is a characteristic of God. God surrounds your life with blessing and acts of grace that you can never earn on your own. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. God is a good God who fills your life with good things. You didn't earn it, and you don't deserve it. Yet God gives anyways because of his goodness. You can never achieve goodness on your own. You can't try to be good. Think about it, parents, when you've told your kids, hey, I want you to just try to be good, does it work? No, maybe for like five seconds and they go back to doing what they were doing. You are either good or you aren't. And it's only God working in you that makes you good. Why? Because God is the source of goodness. See, so in a way, that kind of takes the pressure off. Because instead of trying to be good, Get close to God. As you spend time in his word, as you worship, as you seek God's direction in your life, the fruit of that or the result will be goodness. So, how do you be good? 3 John verse 11 says, Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. See, the word here, imitate, is an interesting word. The dictionary definition is to follow or endeavor, to follow as a model or as an example, to mimic and to reproduce closely. I often hear it said in ministry about pastors in a negative way, you're just trying to be like pastor so-and-so. And what people mean to be negative and as an insult and in fact, is many pastors' goal. Why? Because we want to be like godly leaders. Listen, that's a good thing, and it's biblical. Being good is the decision to imitate Jesus instead of the world. Jesus' goodness was seen in, in how he treated others. His selfishness. His selfless acts, his willingness to sacrifice, and how he treated others and how he resisted sin and temptation. All you have to do in order to be good is to imitate Jesus. And again, you say, Pastor Jason, that is impossible. While you're never going to measure up to Jesus, that's supposed to be the goal. That's what we're supposed to do. Paul wrote in Philippians 2, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others before yourself. Each of you should should look not only to your own interests but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he himself made himself to be nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in the human likeness. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Listen, there is so much in that one passage, right? Good people humbly serve others. Good people obey God. Good people love, they don't hate. Good people give instead of take. Good people share instead of keep. Good people bless and not curse. Good people are positive and affirming, not negative and critical. Good people put others first. They are motivated by helping and serving others, not by positioning themselves. Good people sacrifice because that's what Jesus did. Listen, that kind of life will make you stand out as different from others around you. People will notice the fruit of goodness in your life if you start acting like that. Someone who is good will sacrifice making you happy in order to keep you safe. Parents, sometimes the good you do for your kids isn't appreciated, right? But the goal of parenting is, is, is not to have a happy kid. The goal of parenting is to have a safe and healthy kid. If your, if your son wants to play in a busy street, you say no, not because you want to make him mad, but because you don't want him to get run over. right? If your daughter wants to date a no-good, sorry dog, troublemaking loser, you say no. Why? Because you've done that. No, that's not. Not, not because you want to ruin her social life, Right, But because you don't want her one day to marry a no-good, sorry-dog, troublemaking loser. right? If your child wants to go to a party where there is no adult supervision and lots of alcohol, you say no to protect your child from harm. As I think about it, a lot of parenting is making your kids mad so that you can keep them safe. If you didn't do that, if you let your child play in traffic, if you let them date losers and you let them get drunk, we would say, he is not a good dad. They are not good parents. Goodness does not mean that you make everyone happy. Let me say that again. Goodness does not mean that you make everyone happy. When people ask me for advice, I generally know what it is that they want to hear, and what will make them happy. But if all I do is agree with their dysfunction, then I wouldn't be a good pastor. Because I love you, I warn you. Listen, if you are surrounded by people who give in and let you do what you want, they don't warn you of the consequences and they enable your addictive behavior, that's not goodness. They are sacrificing your well-being to keep you happy. That isn't love. Parents, some of you are making the mistake of trying to keep your kids happy. Your priority as a good parent should should be to see them healthy, whole, and following Jesus. Others of you need to have some difficult conversations with people in your life. In your attempt to, to make them happy, you're allowing them to be unhealthy. It's time to be good, do good, Tell them the truth and warn them of the danger. And some of you in here need to have the tough conversations with people and go and apologize to the people in your life that have told you no because they're trying to keep you from danger. And maybe you acted like a spoiled brat and you need to go and make it right. Now listen, I'll be honest. I wish I didn't have to, to give you guys this next point. Um, but it's in the Bible, and so since it's in the Bible, we've got to teach it. It's important for you to understand that being good doesn't guarantee an easy life. Even if you have the fruit of the spirit of goodness operating in your life, things still go wrong. Look at First Peter chapter 2. It says, But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and you endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. Do you see what that says? You might even suffer for doing good. Now, this is not a popular message to Christians in America. People want to hear that following Jesus results in prosperity and blessings and lots of wonderful stuff. Right? American Christians don't even like to admit that the Bible includes suffering. When I talk about it, people get upset and they send me angry emails. But you can't pick and choose which parts of the Bible you believe and follow. If you read the Bible, it's clear that even those who do good will suffer. In fact, sometimes you will suffer because you are good. One of the most challenging passages in the entire Bible is found in Hebrews chapter 10. It reads, remember those earlier days after you had received the light. When you stood your ground, In great contests in the face of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. Because it will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what is promised. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. You see, things aren't always going to go right in this world. But Jesus, who is good and does all things good, is coming soon. On that day, you won't be arguing or questioning. You'll be face-to-face with your good heavenly Father. Someone who is good does what is right regardless of the outcome. This is a tough one. I wish I could tell you that, that when you do right that you'll always be rewarded, but that's simply not true. You've probably experienced that in your life. You let someone in line in front of you at the grocery store. And then they've got 25 coupons and three things that have to be price checked. And then when it's time to pay, they pull out this thing called a check. By the way, for you teenagers, a check is this paper thing that we used to write out with numbers and letters that we would pay for things. Um, maybe you gave and you saved money and and that's when you got a flat tire and you had to replace it. You obeyed Jesus' instructions for resolving a conflict biblically, yet you received anger in return. You told the truth and you didn't get the sale, yet your co-workers stretched the truth and made the sale. You acted ethically and honestly, but someone else got your promotion. You generously shared and had someone get mad at you because you didn't give more. Sometimes your goodwill will be taken advantage of. And people may respond to your goodness with badness. Keep doing good. You can't be responsible for how people react to you, but you can be responsible for your goodness to others. Keep doing good. Someone who is good and does good understands that although the reward may not happen immediately, God has given them a promise. Goodness doesn't give up. Paul wrote in chapter 6 of Galatians, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest. And if we do not give up, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. At the proper time, God's timing, you will receive a harvest. You will be rewarded. Listen, don't quit. If you do, you might be quitting one day before your harvest is coming in. Keep doing good. Keep doing right. Keep obeying God and know that you've got a promise that you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. Well, when, Pastor Jason, it seems like my harvest is never coming. Listen, it is coming at the proper time. In God's time, it's coming. We live in a world where bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people. There are times when the circumstances cause you to question God's goodness. It's difficult to reason that God's good plan might include difficulty and struggle. But know this, God is with you in the struggle. Psalm 31 says, How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you bestow in the sight of men on those who take refuge in you. In the shelter of your presence, you hide them from the intrigues of men. In your dwelling, you keep them safe from accusing tongues. Isn't that awesome? God has goodness stored up for you. You can take refuge in him. He is your shelter and he is your strength. God will keep you safe from those who are trying to destroy you. When trouble comes, stand firm because your God is good and your God keeps his promises. The result of being good and doing good even through suffering and not being rewarded is that other people will know God is good. 2 Thessalonians 1 says, With this in mind, we constantly pray for you, that our God may count you worthy of his calling, and that by his power he may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. We pray this so that the name of the Lord Jesus may be glorified in you, and you in him. According to the grace of our God, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, John Ortberg in his book Everybody's Normal Until You Get to Know Them tells a story of John Gilbert. When when he was 5 years old, John was diagnosed with Duchenne's muscular dystrophy. It's a genetic, progressive and cruel disease. His parents were told that that it would eventually destroy every muscle in his body and in a space of about 10 years or so, John john's that this disease would take his life yet john lived to the age of 25 and he was an amazing writer every year john lost something one year it was the ability to run he couldn't play sports with other kids another year he he could no longer walk straight and eventually he lost the ability to speak at one point john was named the representative for everyone with his condition in the state of california He was flown to Sacramento and had a private meeting with the governor. That night, the National Football League sponsored a fundraising auction and dinner at which John was the honored guest. The players let him hold their Super Bowl rings, and it was an amazing night for John. When the action began, one particular item caught John's eye. It was a basketball signed by the members of the Sacramento Kings. John so desperately wanted the ball that when it came up for bid, he raised his hand. His mother quickly brought it back down, knowing that they didn't have the funds to cover any bid. And the bidding on the basketball continued with excitement. It rose to an astounding amount for an item that wasn't the most valuable item on the bid sheet that night. Finally, one man named a figure that shocked the entire room, and no one else could match it the man walked down to the front and he claimed the basketball. But instead of returning to his seat, the man walked across the room and placed it in the small, thin hands of a boy who admired it so intently, hands that would never dribble it down the court, hands that would never throw it to a teammate on a fast break and never fire it from three-point range. But those hands cherished it. John wrote in his book, it took me a moment to realize what he had done. I remember hearing the gasp all over the room, the thunderous applause, and seeing weeping eyes. To this day, I'm amazed. Have you ever been given a gift that you could have never gotten for yourself? Has anyone ever sacrificed a huge amount for you without getting anything in return, except the joy of giving. It's as simple as this. Somebody noticed. Somebody cared. Somebody acted. Somebody gave. And goodness was on full display that night. God wants his goodness to be on full display through you. You say, Pastor Jason, what do I do to be good? Listen, wouldn't it be awesome if I could just give you a list of 10 things to do um, this week to be good? But you see, when, when you allow the Holy Spirit to work inside you, when you decide to imitate Jesus and have the same attitude that he did, when you open your heart to others and your eyes to see needs and your hands to give, then the fruit of the spirit of goodness will be evident in your life. God's goodness will be on full display. Here's the beautiful thing about this fruit. The goal isn't for people to say, man, he's so good. Rather, the goal of this fruit is for people to say, wow, God is so good. You might say, Pastor Jason, no one's ever been that good to me. No one notices. No one cares. No one's ever acted like that. No one has given. I want to challenge that. Because Jesus did. He gave his life for you. Why? Because of his goodness. He proved his goodness and his love when he stretched out his arms on the cross. Why? Because he is a good God. Would you bow your heads with me? I want to pray with you today. Jason, maybe today you would say, Pastor Jason, I need to make things right between me and God. Maybe you, you've never made the decision to follow Jesus, or maybe you have, and, and something's happened, and, and, and you kind of walked away. And maybe you've had your reasons, and you realize that as we're talking about goodness today, that that relationship with you and God is broken. If that's you today, and you'd say, Pastor Jason, pray, pray for me in my relationship with God. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Nobody's looking around. I see your hand there. Maybe today you realize in the midst of talking about goodness that there are people, men and women in your lives who you've been angry at. Because they told you things you didn't want to hear. Because you didn't want to do what they wanted you to do. And because of that, you've been angry and bitter. And you've written that off. But today you realize that you need to make that right. You need to make that right with them and you need to make that right with God. And you need the ability to help forgive and the courage to have that strong conversation. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right there where you are? See your hand there in the back, here in the front. God, we thank you. God, we thank you for people today about hearing about your goodness. God, have realized that their life isn't where it should be with you, that their relationship with you is, is messed up. So, God, number one, I thank you that they recognize that. But, God, I pray that right now, God, as they've raised their hand and they've surrendered and said, I want this to be right, God, that you would help make it right. God, that as they seek you, as they imitate you, God, that your goodness would emanate from all parts of their life. God, I pray for others in this room God, that have been harboring bitterness or or an attitude or have even written some people off because they spoke truth that they didn't want to hear in their life. God, I pray that you would help them forgive. But God, I also pray that you would give them the courage and the boldness to have a conversation and seek forgiveness from the other person. God, that you would help them handle conflict biblically. God, because as we do that, it's just another area where we're imitating you. God, this week, we pray that we'd be more like you than we were this past week. God, as we imitate you, as we get closer to you, God, we pray that the fruits of the Spirit, God, would shine through every aspect of our life. Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name.